Да. Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Hallelujah. Well, we've been we've been focusing on um, the church, the church being God's family, and and we've been reading scriptures that talk a lot about the church is His family, and and the church is we're one another's family. Amen. Like God, God created us. He He designed it to be that way. He wanted us to be family with one another, and He needs us to recognize how important that is to him and how important it should be to us. How many of you guys believe that if something's important to God and maybe it's not important to us, we need to adjust to line up with him, amen? And this is super important to him, and I want to talk about this. And some things I'm going to say today, to be honest, are things that are real important to my heart that I I would love, like I really hope, What I want to convey today is going to go into everybody's hearts in a real deep and powerful way. And and I also, it's so important to me that I I really hope that if there are people who aren't present today, that they will hear it too, whether it's online or or later or whatever. But if if there are people you know who aren't here, um, I I would ask you to encourage them to come back and listen to this because that's so important to me. But we're building on the same thing. I've been, I've been on this um, title for a couple of weeks, and, and uh, today's week three on building healthy family. I want to ask you guys to, to join me in making a declaration about something, uh, about what it looks like to really become a healthy family together. And, and if I say something, like I want you to repeat it, and if I say something that your heart's just like, I don't know, you don't have to say it. You can do whatever you want. All right, you can say the exact opposite if you want, but the Holy Spirit's gonna take over that thing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I want you guys to, if you can, join me with this. And if, actually, stand up if you're able. Um, repeat this with me. I, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, but I want to get you guys saying it now. Okay, the, uh, here we go. Repeat after me. We are becoming a people, becoming a people. who intentionally aim. To know and be known. To celebrate and be celebrated. To champion one another. To call one another higher. To declare one another's identity. And affirm one another's significance. To challenge one another. To own one another's breakthroughs. To pray for one another and lift one another up and to hold one another accountable and to seek accountability. All right. Now just repeat all that back to me. Or not. You can be seated. I wanted you, sometimes we have you stand just because it helps you get out of turkey mind for a minute. All right. But but we're, our desire is to... It is not just to do church well. We don't want to just do church well. We want to become family. God, God is, has created church 
not just to be a place to attend, but to be a people who host his presence and press into one another. And the Bible talks a lot about how the people of God were knitted at the heart together. They, they had one heart and one mind. They were fused together relationally in the spirit so that they could do kingdom on earth together as a community. Amen? And so we want to we become that. And so the Lord is actually trying to raise the bar. He's trying to take us to greater places in what, what our understanding is of church, but not just our understanding, our commitment, our action to it. All right? So that's what we want to do. And, and I, wanna, I actually want to take a little time, and I want to explain to you some examples um, of what community has looked like to us at Bethel. Because we came here to plant this church from Bethel Church, Redding, California. And that's our family, that's our tribe. And, and that's the, the DNA, the culture that they have steward, they've cultivated and stewarded over decades. Like we, we were there for nine years, becoming not just students of Bethel, but family. And so they sent us here, they commissioned us to come plant this church right here in the north side of Indianapolis so that we can bring kingdom culture here and cultivate it and grow it and see God move, all right? And you guys are the ones who are coming. <laughs> Yay for you. That's awesome. I, I love it. I'm so thankful that you guys are here, not just today, but with us as a church. Some of you have been in this church plant with us for years some of you are newer, but whenever you started coming, you, the Lord brought you here for that time to, to be an integral part of what he's building right here in, in Overflow Church and in this region. And so, but the Lord has big things he's wanting to do. You guys believe that with me? He has bigger things than even, like this is wonderful, but he's got even more for us. And he wants to take us places, and, but we're building towards something. Uh, but we came from Bethel, and I, I went through BSSM for three years as a student. And that was amazing to get immersed in a, in a student posture, receiving and getting trained and equipped and learning and instructed and activated and all that stuff. And I did that for three years. And, and it got a lot of the culture, a lot of the core values, a lot of the, uh, the training and equipping and the anointing impartations, the gifting impartations, all that stuff. It was powerful. And then, but then I got the opportunity to continue with that and to start ministering through Bethel to carry those things that we got trained, equipped, and imparted out to other churches and ministries around the nation and other nations and bring kingdom culture and bring open heaven breakthroughs. See God move, and it's powerful. And then I was privileged to get hired to become a pastor at BSSM, so instead of me being a student, I was part of the team leading the school and doing the imparting and the training and the equipping and growing the whole time myself too, and it was amazing. But, but a BSSM, if you don't know what BSSM is, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, all right? Bethel School, if you're a school, you're a student, right? Supernatural Ministry. And so the Lord is sending people there to get ignited in the supernatural so that people can do ministry that's beyond what we can do on our own wisdom and strength. Amen? So it's pretty cool. All right? And people in Bethel Church, has, they were pursuing 
an outpouring of God for many years before it even started, okay? At least started at the level that we know of it. And, and so Bill and Benny Johnson, um, they, they interceded and prayed and went after breakthroughs for a long time before what Bethel became known for erupted. And so there's a lot of investment that went into it before it even happened, all right? But, but Bethel has, it got ignited with revival. I think it happened because it happened from the Toronto outpouring. You guys have heard of that? It happened from that, and then they took that back, and it ignited in Redding, California. And they, they've, they've been in revival and have been able to steward revival since, I don't even remember when it broke out, but it was somewhere around 2000, 2001, within a couple of years of that time. They've been in revival for at least 20, it actually might have even been in the 90s, but they've been in revival for 20, somewhere between 20 and 30 years. That's a long revival. Don't you think? Like most revivals and outpourings, they explode and they last for a few months and then they die out. But, but, but it's happened there. And because of how dynamic um, the, the revival and the outpouring has happened, it, the Lord just grew the momentum of the influence of it. And, and it grew territorially where it started in the region, started in the church, started in the region. And then it started becoming people from all over the United States and then people from all over the world are going there to encounter God, all right? And, and so it's powerful, it's amazing, and it's a, it's a heavy revival culture. So people go to Bethel so they can experience the presence of God and, the, and God's manifested glory. It's powerful. And, and people go there so that they can experience anointings and trainings in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So prophecy and healing and miracles is huge, and it draws people in, and it's powerful. It's awesome. There, there's ministry training, and there's Holy Ghost outpourings, and the fire of God, and, and, and of course, worship is, is presence-centered worship, and people love Bethel music because it's all about kingdom. It's all about revival. It's all about God showing up, not us just praying, may it happen someday, but no, it's actually here. Like, it's so amazing, like, like Brian Johnson wrote a song uh, probably 15 or so years ago. Like, we usually be praying, like, revival, let it come. And they wrote a song that says, what does it sound like? What, you guys remember that song? What does it sound like when heaven comes down? And then it's like singing, like, this question, like, what does it look like? What is, and then, they, then it shifts into this is what it looks like. This is what, why would they sing this is what it looks like? This is what it sounds like. Because it's not so much an intercessory prayer of something yet to be. It's like, no, we're going to pause and we're going to look at what God's doing and it's here. Hallelujah. By the way, he's here right now. And so we can focus on what is it going to look like someday or we can stop and look and see what does it look like. You are here. This is what it looks like. Amen. He's here right now. All right, so people go to experience the supernatural, but guess what? People stay because of the culture. They go to encounter God, but they stay because they experience a culture that, that makes them want more of that. All right, and there's a heavy emphasis. Like, like it's not all just signs and wonders. Guess what else it is? Healthy family. Oh, really? Yeah, revival. Revival. Healthy family, 
okay? Healthy family is actually a huge thing. And there, there's, there's the book full of 13 core values, and we do classes every once in a while here called Elements, teaching those core values. And guess what one of those core values is called? Creating healthy family. Really, yeah, it's important, okay? It's important. There's a fo- the core value of healthy family and healthy relationships. So you go through the school, and you're going you're gonna to hear teachings on topics, not just about how to prophesy or how to go out and win the lost on the streets or, or how to heal the sick. Those are going to happen too. But guess what else? Identity. Oh, you mean God loves me? Despite what I've done or not done? Yeah, absolutely, because you're a son of God. You're a child of God. It's not based on what you did. It's based on who God made you to be. You, he gave, you were given birth to God himself. That's pretty wild, don't you think? Identity. And then they teach things like brave communication. Whoa, that's something that people around here need to learn. How to do brave and healthy communication. All right, because brave communication means I can't let my heart get offended with somebody and then avoid them because I'm afraid to talk to them about it. It actually takes the courage to go talk to somebody so you can work out the, the dysfunction or the, the barrier that got created by, by action, intentionally or not, so we can work through it. But brave communication, brave communication to where I'm not going to be afraid of you, I, I care more about you and a healthy relationship to allow fear to stop me from pursuing reconciliation. Brave communication. <laughs> Amen. And, and so, and then with that is a, is a culture of honor. You, you hear a lot about culture of honor. It's not just how to honor. It's so ingrained that it actually is part of the culture where we're looking for ways to honor one another. We're looking for ways to see God's given identity each person and call them into that and love one another for who God knows that they are. Love each other the way God does, not, not, not based on do you deserve it because you are good enough to me. No, I'm going to love you no matter what you've been doing. Culture of honor. You guys all right? Yep. There's things called defining the relationship or they call it DTR and it's where it's where. You, you, you don't just do, like, people who are interested in each other, like, we're not just going to try to fling this thing. Like, we're actually going to, we're going to connect in with each other and make sure we're both on the same page and, and nobody's trying to pressure the other person to go beyond what's healthy in the moment. So constant check-ins to make sure we're good. DTRs, defining the relationship. Breaking shame. They've done all, I've seen them do an entire week about breaking shame off of people. Whoa. That's kind of a big deal. A lot of people are carrying shame around all the time, don't even know it. Some, shame is such a subtle, subconscious thing for a lot of people. But it's the, one of the biggest barriers from people coming into the wholeness of God. They go after things like moral revolution and, and teach on uh, healthy approaches to sexuality and, and reserving sex for marriage. How many of you guys believe that sex is a gift from God but it only belongs in the marriage covenant? Come on. <laughs> yes, that's biblical. All right? And, and then, like, healthy sexual identities and purity and freedom from deliver, and deliverance from sexual impurity, preparing for he- healthy marriage. I, re- I remember times when, um, <clears throat> when there were people 
who had had premarital sex, and, and they, they knew it was wrong, and they repented of it and gave it to the Lord and asking God to come heal them of the wounding that happened in their hearts because of doing, you know, doing things that wasn't under God's blessing in that way. It's called sexual. It's actually sexual immorality. It's sin, right? And, so, and that needs to be said. But, but people repenting of it, and sorry for, I think, I think we're in good company here. Like, a, like when a woman has sex, the hymen breaks. It's a, it's a, part, it's a piece of tissue in there, right? It, it breaks. But, but, and that's the way you know, that's the way they can know that, that they've had sex. And, but, but people who repented of having sex outside of marriage, the, how many of you guys know that when God heals, he makes all things new? And, it, and he gives us a new nature. He gives us a new created, new, a new creation. And people literally have had their hymens healed and restored as if it never happened. Literally recreating virgins in the natural. That is wild. But God does this stuff. But guess what? That, thing, that kind of thing doesn't happen when people live in hiding. And, and people are, are afraid to step out and run after breakthroughs because we're, we have shame. And I don't want to put myself out there to, to, to get healing or whatever. Like it, it, takes, it takes breaking the fear off of me that I want wholeness more than I want people's acceptance or I'm afraid of what somebody's going to think about me. I want all that Jesus has for me more than I care about what anybody else thinks about me. So I care more about God and everything he has for me more than my reputation. And when I'm willing to put my reputation on the line to get everything God has, that's called dying to self, by the way. Jesus gives us everything that he has. <clears throat> Amen. These things, these things are what we, what we go after at, at Bethel, Okay. And then, and then at BSSM, there, the, the school, when I was there, it's, it's, since COVID, it's been a little different size. But when I was there, there's about 2,000 students from all over the world. I think there's around 900 or so in first year. And then the second and third year, it made up the other, you know, 1,100 or whatever. That's pretty wild, isn't it? That's like a lot of people. But they break the school down first year into what's called revival groups. And so where you have 900 people in a room, like, that's awesome. And you can get people amped up, and you can get the revival and the fire and just the mass encounter and all that stuff. And that's what people think revival is. But then they're like, no, that's, that's not all what revival is. Let's break this thing down into smaller sizes. And, and so revival groups, somewhere around 60 people, you know, this is a revival group. Okay? But they break them down into about 60 people with the pastor over it. And that's what I was, a revival group pastor. And why would we do that? We'd meet every week, and, and we would connect together, and then we'd have small groups in there. And why would we do that? Because you can't just do revival en masse. You have to be able to do it in relationship. You guys better wake up, because I, I need you to be awake. Okay? We, we, it's designed to take the revival training and equipping in the class setting and actually get people in, in, in situations where they have to practice it amongst one another. It's where the rubber really hits the road. 
okay? And, and it's for the purpose of not just doing nine months of revival training, it's doing it for the purpose of creating culture in people's lives, creating community so that, so that we're pressing into one another, we're going after things together, right? Seeking God together. And so it's a practicing and pursuing breakthrough together where, where people are, are learning how to know one another and to be known by one another, how to celebrate one another and to, and to own one another's breakthroughs. All those things that we declared before, that's what it's for, is to get us doing these things amongst one another so that corporately we're building unity to great and massive breakthroughs. How many of you guys believe that God wants to bring great and massive breakthroughs? Hallelujah. And guess what? He doesn't want to just do it in Redding, California. That's why he sent us here. By the way, you don't have to go to Bethel to get all that stuff. We brought it to you. I'm not joking. We brought it to you. But, but here's the deal. People who go there, the only thing that's different, well, I don't want to say the only thing. They got a lot going on, right? And they got a huge staff of people who are doing this stuff. But, so there's a lot. I'm not taking away from that. My point is, like, the difference between what people receive there and what they can receive here is heart posture. I'm paying a lot of money. I'm going to press in, and I'm going to get everything God has for me. But if people can recognize that, that you're going to get out of it what you put into it, God is going to show up. And you don't have to go to some other revival to get everything God has for you. It's about what you believe, how you put yourself into it. That was a power statement. <laughs> serious. I'm serious. <clears throat> and we would do activations in our revival groups and, 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 get, and do these things to try to get people stepping out of the fear zone and stuff. And, and let me tell you, every time we would do it, it would always start off super awkward. Like people are sitting there, like like you, somebody, like the pastor or, or one of the interns, Seth was on my team. We we'd like try to lead them in an activation. We'll tell them what we're gonna do, and then we'll like tell somebody to do it, and they'll just sit there for like three minutes, awkward, quiet minutes, and we're just standing there waiting. And then finally, somebody will decide to get the courage to step out, and they do it in fear and trembling. And guess what? Instead of, like, like, people are afraid, like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to fall on my face, and people are going to think I'm an idiot, or whatever. There's humiliation. But that's not the culture. Somebody steps out, and it didn't matter how they did. Everybody's like, that was amazing! And then, the, and then we just lather each other with celebration. That was awesome! And it wasn't even about how they performed. It was about the fact that they took the risk and stepped out of their comfort zone. And I want to tell you that, like, stepping out of the comfort zone is probably more important than whatever you tried to accomplish. But, but we need to be a people that can celebrate one another and cheer each other on and be like, that's amazing, and, and try to draw out the, the courage in one another so that, so that people are willing to step out of the boat. Sometimes it takes somebody to be willing to take lead because when that first person goes... Like, there's always the couple of people that think too highly of themselves, and they're always the first ones to do it, and, and that's cool, but they're not the ones that actually influence everybody. It's the first person who was afraid to do it, and then they stepped out. That's the person that causes other people to be like, whoa, 
if he did that, then I can do that too. <laughs> we saw that happen a lot, didn't we, Seth? Yep. And so there, like shame and fear hold people back. What's anybody going to think about me? Or maybe I'm going to fail. And Jesus is like, how could you be a failure? You're my son. You're my daughter. Does, it didn't, I didn't call you my son and daughter because you did things well. I call you my son or my daughter because you allowed me to come in and transform your life. You're my child. I love you and I'm proud of you because of who you are, not because of what you do. That's identity. When the father spoke over Jesus and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, guess what? That was before he ever performed any miracle or, perform, or preached any sermon in front of a crowd or did any of the great things he did. God declared his love and his pride in his son, not because of accomplishments, but because this is my son. That's my boy. And he was telling the whole universe who his son was. Do you guys hear me? So the Lord's pleasure in you is not in how good you do it, or if you failed, it's in who you are. But, but, what he, but what breaks his heart is when he has children who he's actually put the very nature of himself into, and we hold ourselves back because we're afraid of either failing or what somebody else might think. And the Lord's like, I need the world to see me in you. Can you please break through your fear and show me to everybody? You guys, you guys hearing what I'm saying? <clears throat> so when a person breaks through and they, and they do the thing, there's celebration. You were amazing. That was awesome. It's not to, it's not to, to puff people up. That, like the fear of, of causing pride in other people, guess what? That's probably more from the devil. Like, people actually need to be edified. That's what the scripture is that we've been on for a few weeks. Edification, it's where we build one another up. People are so used to being torn down or, feel, or tearing themselves down. We need to actually build one another up. It's that Greek word that we keep talking about, oikodomeo. It's where Jesus built his church, and then he's saying, edify one another. You're going to help him build his church by edifying. We're going to build one another up, and his church is coming into the fullness of everything he needs. So let's, let's just get rid of that whole thing of I'm afraid I'm going to make your head swell. That's stupid. <laughs> That's between them and the Lord anyway, not you. Right? So how about we start looking for ways we can celebrate one another and, and just telling each other how amazing you are in Christ. How amazing that was that you took a risk or that how amazing it was that you went after a breakthrough and now we're believing with you. God's going to show up. And then, and then, like, you know, in our revival groups, when somebody would step out and take the risk and everybody would celebrate it, and then, then it helps, to, it helps dis, or defuse other people's fear because it's like, okay, they didn't get made to be a fool. And, and there are times when people would step out and do the activation, and it didn't land the way that it was instructed. And we didn't care because they just crossed the chicken line. And that's awesome. Amen? Celebrating the risks and the courage of one another. That's even more powerful than the accomplishment that they made. 
And then, then we can keep celebrating and championing one another. And it, it, what it does, it helps people to get the courage to be like, okay, now I can keep trying this thing. And then they keep trying it. And then they start honing the craft and learning how to excel in that thing. But the more people feel championed, the more it spurs them on to good works. There's a verse that talks about not forsaking the assembling together. It's in Hebrews 10. Because we need to spur one another on towards good works. How do you do that? You need to start doing more good things. I don't think that helps spur people. But if we can, get, if we can be like people's greatest cheerleaders, that was amazing what you did. Those got, God's got more for you in that. Let's celebrate it. Come on. We did prophecy activations. You know, we, we do those here sometimes too and give people these little, like these little um, ways to, to make it more simple to practice prophecy and stuff, and then you start growing in it. But, but there are times when it's like, let's take this the next notch because you're getting kind of used to now to, you know, prophesy to so-and-so with the picture of an apple. Okay. Yeah, the apple a day keeps the doctor away. You're going to, no, I'm just, I don't know, whatever. Like starting to come up with a prophecy. But like then it's like you take it to the next level. I want you to prophesy over this person with a prophetic dance. <laughs> a prophetic dance. And then it like makes people's butt cheeks get all stiff again. And they're like, <laughs> I'm going to wait for the first person on this one. And then we're waiting for like a week. Until, <laughs> or, or prophesy, do a prophetic song over somebody. Like that's where now, now it's taken the shame to a whole other level. I, I'm not a good singer. We don't care. I, I care more about are you willing to take the risk and 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 give it a try? Because there, guess what? When we take the risk, even if it didn't sound good, but we took the risk, you know what you're doing? You're creating a humongous helicopter landing pad for the Holy Spirit to show up and do something supernatural in that moment. And people get breakthroughs from lifelong bondages when they step out and do these things. I've seen it. I've seen it. I, I, you, some of you may have heard me say this one before, but I remember one time we, we, we did all these different prophetic activations, and there's this dude named Justin that was in our group, and, and he was... He actually is deformed. Like I don't, I don't know if I don't know where that came from. If his parents did drugs or whatever, but he was deformed and he was about this tall and didn't have full motion of his body and stuff. And and he he got assigned to do a prophetic dance, and he has never danced in his life. And there was somebody sitting on a chair there, and and so he prays for a moment. And he's like freaking out, but he's, but he decided I'm gonna. I'm going to let courage win right now. And so he started dancing, and, and at first it was awkward, but he just kept going, and he starts, like, doing these moves around the person, and it started flowing, actually. It was pretty wild. Like, it, went, it shifted from terrible dancer to, like, actually flowing because he got past the fear and started going into the anointing. Started flowing, and, and that person, if I remember right, started crying because the Holy Spirit fell on that person, set them free from whatever it was that God was aiming at. But then Justin got a new breakthrough. He'd never danced before. 
he joined the worship dance team after that. <laughs> and he became a good dancer. He got a breakthrough. That's awesome. And we celebrated him. I mean, the, the whole room erupted because of how awesome it was. I want us to create a culture that knows how to celebrate one another really well. Amen? So many things. So, so many things that, that we could say about it, but breaking, BSM, we're, we're going after breaking off false identities, like this concept of I, I need people to see how many healing testimonies I can have, or I need people to know how good I can do such and such, or, or, or people are afraid to be known because they don't know how to do those things, and all that stuff gets broken off of people who are willing to show up and let God do everything he wants to do because it's not about performance, good or bad. Breaking the shell. Amen? It's, it's about who you are and not what you can do. And that's what God's trying to do in us. And we need to learn the power of cracking open our rib cages so that people can see our hearts and, and desiring for other people to be willing to do the same so I can see their heart too. And then there were times when, when God was moving. This was probably after trust had been built to some level in our revival groups, but uh, so later in the year. But there would be times when, uh, when a student, like I didn't even ask for this. I, didn't, I wasn't trying to make this happen, but they just felt like, man, I've got a bondage in my life that I have never broken. And I know that I need to open up and confess this thing openly to the whole revival group. <laughs> like porn addiction. Usually that one is like a private confession. They're like telling everybody. And even the girls, like, when they heard a guy confess in porn addiction, like, some of them had to think through, like, am I going to think this guy's a creep? Or am I going to think this guy just did the very thing that's going to set him free, and I can admire this person for their courage and their willingness to get breakthrough? And so people decide, there are some probably that decide the other way. They probably didn't get their breakthroughs that they needed because they're living in the old way, Right? But the people who are like, no, we're going to champion this person. We're going to celebrate this person. We're going to love this person. And like people would do that, and the whole group would come around and give them a big group hug. Then they suffocated to death. <laughs> <laughs> but they got breakthroughs. There was a time when a girl, she started confessing in the group, and I didn't see it coming. I, we were just doing testimonies, and all of a sudden, this girl is like, she starts testifying, but then she starts opening up, and, and she starts confessing, um, like, like, struggles with her self-worth, and then, and then she keeps going, and she starts confessing a rebellious spirit that she had towards her dad, who was a pastor that she grew up in his church, and towards leaders, even, even me. She starts confessing these things, and, and like, she, it's not just standing there just saying it. Like, it, she started, like, drawing it from her spirit, and, and she starts doubling over while she's saying it, and then she starts bawling her eyes out, and then she started getting delivered of demons. 
Because she, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> she, she starts touching like deep-rooted things that she have avoided and excused all her life. And now all of a sudden she's realizing because she sees the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and this thing doesn't belong in that presence anymore. I want closer to him. So she starts confessing that stuff. And, and then all the stuff that was holding it in starts coming out of her and demonic strongholds start coming out of her and she got free. <laughs> Come on. That's amazing. Please don't start doing that during my sermon, by the way. <laughs> but there's a time and a place for stuff like this. Okay? And, and I'm not saying that you guys need to do that. My, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that when people learn how to love and be loved, know and be known, celebrate and be celebrated, champion one another, build one another up, own one another's breakthroughs. We're like, I'm vested in you guys, and we're going to trust each other to a level where I can be okay not being perfect in front of you. Because you're not perfect either, by the way. And if we can just get real with it, then we can actually start going somewhere. Adam and Eve sinned, and then the father starts walking through the garden, and, they're, and they realize they're naked. They were naked the whole time, and everything was all right, but now they got shame on them, and the father comes walking through, and they, they hid themselves with fig leaves, and then they hide behind a tree. They're always trying to hide themselves because they don't want somebody to see who they really are. And people are walking around in the church still, probably worse in the church than in the world, with fig leaves and masks, putting on something fake so that nobody, it's either to try to deceive people so they think you're perfect, or it just helps keep people away so they won't drill into the heart. But is that the church that Jesus died and resurrected for? No, he died and resurrected to build a family. A family that's knitted at the heart. You can't be knitted at the heart when there's a fig leaf or a mask covering your heart. The Lord's trying to knit hearts together. It takes vulnerability. It takes trust. It takes risk. It takes love and unconditional love. It takes honor. It takes belief. It takes the ability to be able to see that this person is far greater than whatever their struggle is. You guys all right? But, but I want us to be a people who, who, who grow in these things. Like I was saying, you don't, you don't have to go to Bethel to have this experience because this is what we actually brought here to build. And you don't get it overnight. And, and apparently you don't get it in five years either. <laughs> like it takes time. But we have to be proactive and keep building this thing. And, and I can't do it for you. I can lead us, I can teach us and all these things, and I can demonstrate it, and I can press into you. But, but it takes everybody deciding, I'm going to go after this thing. My breakthrough depends on it, and so does the kingdom being manifested in our midst. Depends on us inserting ourselves into one another's lives and being knit at the heart. Pentecost did not happen 
except by people who came with one heart and one mind in Koinonia Fellowship, the Oikos family. We want Pentecost, we want revival, we want the last days outpouring, whatever, you, whatever way you want to say it. It will never happen the way God wants it to if we don't get over ourselves and create a culture and a family where we're knitted at the hearts together and loving one another unconditionally. People think revival is going to come and make that happen. God's saying, I want to see if you guys will show up the way I'm calling you to. I've been working on this for 2,000 years. Pentecost happened on people who are already knitted at the heart. <laughs> I'm preaching a great message, guys. <laughs> An easy place to start with this. Like, I, I'm not expecting people to be like, let me just confess all my sins in front of a crowd. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but let's start with celebrating one another really good. Let's start there. Celebration, championing one another. That's awesome. I'm gonna, I want to take a moment and let's practice this. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, and I didn't ask for permission, so if anything I'm getting ready to say like, bothers somebody, let's go privately work it out. Let's do brave communication, all right? We'll, we'll, we'll practice that. But I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to do this. I want us to celebrate a few things I'm getting ready to say. And, and I want to ask you guys, like, when I say this thing, like, try to connect your heart to it. And, and it's kind of twofold what we're going to do. We're going to give God praise and glory for these things I'm going to say because we're going to truly celebrate the work of the Lord in, each, in people's lives. Okay? But we're also, let's celebrate the person for their victory. How about it? Is that a decent idea? Average or pretty good? All right, cool. All right, I, I want to just tell you a few testimonies that I've heard recently. Some of you know these, but corporately, we're going to celebrate. <laughs> I ask for forgiveness if this bothers you, whoever I'm getting ready to say. All right, one of them, I want to say that she's actually not here right now, but it's Angel Cheney. If you're watching online, Angel, we're, we're about to celebrate you. She... Um, she, she just a few months ago got a, a job with a real estate agency, and I just want to acknowledge her right now that she has been freaking rocking it. And, like, she hasn't had a job for a long time, I think, right? 25? What's that? Yeah, full-time raising kids, but not in the working world. But she, she just did this thing, and she is rocking it. And, like, she's getting promoted and favor in the place. And, like, all this stuff is getting attracted to her because she is pursuing a breakthrough in this thing, and God's favor's on it. What's that? She's working really – she works with her. So Ashley works with her. She's working really hard. But I think that's amazing, and I just want us to take a minute and just celebrate the work of God on Angel's life right now. Let's celebrate God and Angel. Come on. Yeah. It's awesome. I love that. Yeah, and I, I just want her to feel that love and that celebration on that. She had her first closing last week. Come on. It takes a lot of work to get that. That's awesome. And another one I want to say is, is Carla. I want, to, I want to celebrate you for a second, Carla. Wave your hand. 
Sorry. She's like, what the heck is he? I, I, I just think it's amazing because uh, just a couple of months ago, um, she, she had been in a working environment that was really hard on her, and, and she ex- kind of explained it as toxic environment and stuff. And, and so we prayed, and I'm sure you had other people pray just for God to do a breakthrough on that. But she, she just, a few weeks ago, got a brand new job that she really loves the environment, and the Lord's just been blessing her, even the, even the income on it, right? And I want to celebrate you for that awesome breakthrough that you just got, and we're just so thankful to the Lord for blessing you with that. We bless you. Come on. Awesome. Yeah, people have been praying jobs and better jobs, right? Like we declare these things. God's listening. He's listening. And, and so even Steve Cook, I, I want to just acknowledge him for a minute too, because he's been, he moved out here from California by the leading of the Lord, had no community here, but he did it in faith. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> and so, yeah, there's that. Yep. Do it. And he's been working a job for, how long have you been at the current job now? How long? A couple years? It's almost three years. And, but he recently found out that the company, I think, is getting bought out or something. And, and so he, he wasn't going to have a job anymore, so he's been asking for prayer on that. And I just found out last week that he landed a job that he starts after the first of the year. Praise the Lord. That's a huge thing. I'm happy for you, man. Yeah, I, I just think that's awesome, and it's just showing how the Lord's uh, blessing these things. And, and, and Darlene also, Darlene, you, you know, the, uh, the, I don't know the whole story, but I know you, you just recently had a position shift, and, and it got you put in a, a position that's a better fit for you, right? And so that's a huge blessing, isn't it? And I think we just praise the Lord for God doing, giving jobs and better jobs. Hallelujah. Yeah, praise the Lord. Is Bob Harshman in here? I didn't see him. I, I'm, I'm going to wait for that one then. All right, another one, um, the Cheney family again. I don't know, Lauren stepped out. The Cheney family, um, they, they just, they're, they're having a house built, and so it's going to be a huge upgrade in their living situation. It's going to be an awesome house for them to live in, and it's in January now that you guys are moving in? That's the theory. Okay. <laughs> That, that's tricky, cause, but they're having a build. It's almost done. But this is a huge blessing and relief for their family, and I'd love for us to celebrate that huge thing with them as well. Thank you, Lord. It's awesome. Praise God. That's, that's really good. Do you guys see this? Like, like, there's a blessing on jobs. There's a blessing on incomes. There's a blessing on homes. Like, that's so awesome. And, and then, like, a couple of weeks ago, um, in the children's ministry, they were, they were in the Spirit and doing things, and, and you were in there, I think. And, but the Holy Spirit showed up, and a couple of the kids got a brand-new prayer language back there. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Recently heard of, of Becky and Jean and Gwen separately. Uh, Becky, you're you, and, but they, but just having these moments out in public of of 
being, just being led by the Spirit of God to evangelize the people that they don't even know. And, and like just stepping out of the boat, stepping past that chicken line, right? And that's awesome. Taking the gospel outside of the church. I want to celebrate you guys for just stepping out and being bold. It's amazing. Come on. Really cool. And also, I'm, I'm thankful that Janet's here because I wanted to also throw one at her too. She just released her first book. That's amazing. Yeah. So awesome. I, I mean, she, you, you've been an author, you know, at heart for a long time, but this is like your first one, and I know you got more coming, but it's just amazing to see you step in and get that first breakthrough, and it's like the pipeline's busting open. Now there's favor on that. And you've actually had favor on Amazon, haven't you? Yeah, like pretty crazy. Like, what? yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, she was. Were you number one in your category? Yeah. So she in the in the category that her book was in, she actually was number one, which is amazing. But you said that you just got beat by Jeff Bezos. Um, yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> that's awesome. Let's give God a hand though, just for all these amazing things. I love it. It's so good. And like, there's some things I'm not going to say right now, but there's been some family um, breakthrough needs. The, the, there's been a lot of prayer on them and stuff. And like, how many of you guys know that when Jesus said that when two or three or more come together in my name in agreement, I'm there, I'm there in the midst of them to do what you're asking, right? Like, he actually means that. And so when we have, that's called unity. It's called unity. It doesn't matter how many people it is. What matters is, are we in one heart together, in agreement? Because he shows up in the midst of that, and he does great things. And so there's been prayer for family breakthroughs and stuff, and we're starting to see some amazing breakthroughs start to show up to the surface. And more than one family, I've, I think of at least two, maybe three families that we've been praying into some stuff that, that we're seeing good signs of God moving and that's awesome. And I think we should give God a big hand for that too. Hallelujah. We want more of that, Lord. Awesome. Yeah. So there, there's just this verse um, that's it's John, sorry, 1 John 1, 7. And it says, if we walk in the light, how many of you guys know that the light exposes all things, right? The, the light is like, you can't hide when you're in the light. It, it shows everything that, that comes into the light. It says, if we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Fellowship with one another. Okay? And, and then the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. There's something powerful about coming into the light of Jesus Christ, saying, Lord, I, I don't want any fig leaves. I don't want to pretend like I'm not naked when I really am. I don't want to pretend like I don't have something wrong with me if I really do. How many of you guys know this, that if there's something wrong, but you hide it from God, you can never be healed? Like, he actually puts the requirement on us to expose ourselves to him. But when we do that, the blood of Jesus comes and it heals 
It forgives, it cleanses, it sets captives free. Hallelujah. But the context of this is not just in your prayer closet where it's just you and Jesus. It literally is talking about the community. It says, it says when, when we're in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Whoa. So it's not just in the secret place. It's in the communal place. And the Lord actually is trying to help us to learn that there's power in being transparent to the Lord and transparent. I'm not saying to everybody, but to those you can trust. And it's important that we build trust with people that we can be in the light with, to where we're not going to hide our weaknesses. And we need to remember they needed Jesus' blood as much as you did. So you're in good company. <laughs> when, when we confess things to one another, like you're doing it with somebody else who also was on their way to hell and needed Jesus to die on the cross. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, like we, we shouldn't try to measure ourselves. Oh, well, they, they needed Jesus' blood probably a little less than I do. I don't know if I want to tell them. No, they were on their way, their way to hell too. <laughs> it's like the, we, we can't measure ourselves like that. We, what we got to do is we got to see that God is just, it's simple. There's power in getting things in the light with God and with one another. That's where the blood of Jesus can come and change everything that you've been struggling with. <laughs> you guys receiving these things? I told you guys this last week. God never intended for any Christian to try to go after things on your own. He, he, he created us on purpose to be lacking in some ways where we need somebody else to cover us. Lacking in some ways where other people need you to cover them. He created us that way on purpose because he designed it for us to be family, covering one another. And so that's why we got to live in the light, a fellowship with one another. That word fellowship in the Greek is koinonia. It's a powerful word. It doesn't just mean hanging out. We do need to be hanging out. It's, it's, more, it's, it's, not, it's not just doing the surfacey level carnal stuff or the, the, the stuff that you could do with anybody. No, it's talking about actually knowing one another after the Spirit. It's, it's giving and receiving from one another, a spiritual exchange of heart and mind with one another. I'm vested in you. You're vested in me. That's koinonia. I've been preaching for five years here at Overflow, and one trend that I've noticed is when I spend a season talking about open heavens and glory and how we enter into the glory or we talk about miracles and all that stuff, man, people get perked up and ready to go. And, and you start seeing more people coming and attending and stuff. But then when we shift into things that have to do with relationship and exposing the heart and taking responsibility and having to, having to actually put my skin into this thing and invest myself where I have to change me that's where it feels like things don't have the same level of popularity. Shocker. But these things are no less important. 
They're no less important. And I, I felt the God's glory this morning, and I, I knew that I could capitalize on that focus, and we could probably have something crazy awesome happen, and it's going to get people all excited. And the Lord is like, hey, that's not even what I'm doing. You're experiencing me showing up because you guys are focusing on the things I'm focusing on. He's in this. It's so important. We can focus on all the, like what the revival feels and looks like and all that stuff and miss the very heart of it. And Jesus spent all his time actually more training on how to do the issues of the heart than he did on issues of walking in this glory cloud. I love that. If we don't have the heart right, how can we expect that God is going to trust us with the more of his Shekinah? If he's like, well, you're not even creating the space that I need to be able to make a home in. You guys hearing me? People want a revival, but they don't want to put the work into it. People want the Shekinah glory and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but they don't want to make covenants and commitments with other people because I want to be able to move where the Spirit moves, but then they move away from building longevity in relationship, koinonia, which is actually how the church was built from ground zero. That's why I'm spending all this time on this, guys. God's trying to build a family. He wants to bring revival he wants to do an outpouring. He wants to do all this stuff. But right here, we're in a culture where people bounce from one thing to the next, or God's hot here for now. Let me come here. But then, oh, I don't like that message anymore, but I think he's hot over there now. Let me bounce over here. And then there's no building history with people. If we don't build history centered on Jesus, letting him do the works of the heart, we will never see the things that he called us to be able to believe for. But I'm believing for great things. And, and I want to do what it takes to get there, and this is part of it. Amen? So, <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you. Hallelujah. All right. Once you guys stand, I'll just pray a blessing over you. Lord, I know that you are beckoning us into great, great things. Lord, I, even, even that, even being able to see that your, your spirit has been hovering and circulating around us, Lord. You're on this, Lord, you're on this. And the glory just wisping around, it's like the edge of that Shekinah. It's not because you don't have the whole thing for us, it's because you're beckoning us into the more. But you're looking, you're looking to see if we're going to respond to you the ways that you're trying to help create a, a good, healthy heart in us. Because you want to give us more. Everybody say that, God wants to give me more. God wants to bring more glory into my life. God wants to bring revival. He wants to outpour His Spirit like never before. 
but he wants to do it on people he can trust it with. And he's being faithful and diligent to help us grow and adjust and to become everything he needs for us to be so he can be a people. Sorry, I meant we can be a people. <laughs> that, that can carry his presence and his glory. But we are his family. And he's making us his family. And I'm committed to learning how to do family well. Under the Father and with my brothers and sisters. Amen.